Well, good morning, everyone. It's quite a story um, this week in Joshua 10. Um, and for those who like action, there was a lot of action taking place. Um, but that's not going to be my focus this morning. We're going to look at a much smaller portion of the chapter. And I don't know about you, but I have really been enjoying diving into the, this book and um, had a chance to go a bit deeper as I prepared this week. Um, but it's just been really wonderful reflecting on the life of Joshua and how God has used him um, just as he was obedient and trusting the Lord. Um, and it started many, many years ago um, from where he's at today and leading the Israelites um, in this campaign um, to conquer the promised land. It's just been a wonderful adventure. And I just want to do a little recap on where we've been, um, because I think it's just a good reminder for us of where have we traveled so far, and where has Joshua traveled? So we've journeyed from the promised land, or from the wilderness into the promised land. Um, we've crossed over the Jordan River um, at flood season, so that's pretty, pretty significant. Um, we've walked around Jericho a few times, and we've watched the walls come down. Last week, we had a look at Achan's sin and the consequences of his sin. And today, we're going to look at Joshua's prayer and the significance of this prayer. Um, but we've had a little bit of a gap. We've skipped over a couple of chapters. And so I thought I'd just give us a brief snapshot of what's happened um, in between. In chapter 8, um, Israel went on to defeat the city of Ai. And so it was um, the city that they had tried to conquer, and because of Achan's sin, they didn't conquer it at the first time around. But when they went back, they were, God gave them the victory. Following that, Joshua took the people into a time of remembrance and worship and celebration at Mount Ebal. Joshua wanted the people to remember what God had done. It's not just going in and conquering, but God is doing this, and we need to remember and then in chapter 9, a um, little bit of an interesting turn in the story, uh, because the city of Gibeon, which was near Ai, um, they're a bit sneaky and cunning, uh, but they were also fearful. And so they set out to deceive Israel, um, and they made a peace treaty with the Israelites. And so that brings us up to this point of where we're at today, um, and what what Kenneth has just read for us. But before we jump into that, I just want to share a little story about my dad. Um, so have a picture of, of myself and my dad um, from just a few years ago. And my dad is almost 87. Some of you may know that um, he's on a journey with cancer, and um, I'm blessed to be able to go see him in just um, a couple weeks' time and have a bit of time with him. Um, but on this, cancer, this journey with cancer, um, he's currently doing daily chemo and radiation at, at one of the local hospitals. Um, one of the things they've asked him to do, I think, for the radiation ward is we, we need a photo of you um, so we can recognize you. And one of my brothers, who's 
his transport each day. I was like, oh, you need to take a picture with your hat, Dad. It's like everyone knows your hat. And if you can see his hat, it says, don't bother me. I think this is one of his favorite hats that he likes to wear. Um, whether he's going to the shops, going out for brekkie, he's just a, he's a country farmer and he always has a baseball cap on. But um, I cannot tell you how many stories he shared with Kenneth and myself of conversations that he has had, even though the hat says, don't bother me. And as I've reflected on just the stories and thinking about prayer and what does that mean for us today, um, I wonder how many of us think of prayer or think of approaching God with the sense of, oh, he can't be bothered with the things in my life. They're not that big. Do you take, you know, do we take that literally, kind of that saying on his hat? Um, If we were to think about it, do we bring everything to the Lord in prayer? Um, Maybe, maybe not. I can't bother God. It's, It's not that big. I think God's hat says, bother me, if he wore a baseball cap. He wants us to come to him with our requests, um, the big things and the little things. He wants us to share our hearts and our lives with him. So just a question to ponder and consider. When was the last time you've had a deep and meaningful conversation with the Lord? When have you shared everything that's on your heart with him? When did you ask him to do something that was beyond yourself? Well, we're going to explore some of that today as we look at what Joshua prayed in the context of Joshua 10. And as we think about prayer and the power of prayer, um, I've done my alliteration for those who like alliteration. Um, We're going to look at the posture of prayer, the promise of prayer, and the places of prayer. So let's jump in. Um, We're now moving into a place of action um, and battle for the Israelites. And the word was getting around to the different cities about what was happening. And there was fear. The southern armies, the kings of the um, southern cities were banning together um, because of what they had heard God doing um, in Jericho and Ai, along with the Gibeonites' treaty with the Israel. Um, and so they decide that they are going to go to battle. And they probably step up the action maybe sooner than Joshua wanted. We don't know for sure. But um, Gibeon was a significant city, as as we read. It it was a larger city than Ai. It had a prominent army. And so all of these other kings in the southern cities of of the land they were conquering, um, they were afraid. And it's like, we're going to attack Gibeon. And what was Gibeon's response? Like, Israel, we need help. (laughs) Um, They've made this treaty. They are now allies. And so they call out, help us. We need you. 
And in spite of knowing that they hadn't called upon the Lord and they had made this treaty, Joshua and the Israelites, they honor the treaty that is made. So Joshua rallies the troops, bring them together, and they head off to Gibeon. And they travel all night. And in this process, in verse 8, we read, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. And this is the third time that Joshua has heard these words spoken to him. Do not be afraid. Spoken to him. And so he leads the charge. And I think these are probably familiar words, not just as Joshua has taken on the reign of leadership, but if we were to reflect upon his time as he served underneath Moses' leadership, um, the familiar phrase um, in all of his journeys. And accompanied with this phrase, we often read additional phrases such as, and the Lord will be with you. The Lord will go before you. God himself will fight for you. What encouragement um, that would have been for Joshua that he's not just don't be afraid, but I am with you and I am fighting your battles for you. And that's true for us today, that we are not alone in the battles that we fight. We have the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings going before us, and we just need to look to him. And then we read a little bit later um, in the passage from verse 14. It says, There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And as I reflected on kind of what I considered a couple of bookmarks, Joshua has developed a posture of prayer over his lifetime. He has learned to be present, to hear, to listen, and to respond to the living God who is for him. So you might be wondering, what what do I mean when I talk about the posture of prayer. It's an attentiveness to the voice of God. It's an attentiveness to what he is doing in our life and responding to him. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's not just a, our, our list of things that we want God to do for us. It's a two-way conversation where we talk and we listen and we engage with one another. And part of that conversation might be some requests of, hey, Lord, I need some help with this. Um, but it's more than our, what I often call my laundry list of things that I want to see God do. Um, it's a space where we can be present and be known and be heard. It's a place where we share our concerns. And it's a place where we can just be present in the silence and enjoy being with the Lord. What a beautiful place, having a posture of prayer where we we can just sit with Jesus and we can listen to what he has to say to us. 
And today, we are incredibly blessed because we have the scriptures. We, we have this book that we can open up. And God speaks to us. God speaks to our heart. And he wants to do that each and every day. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it tells us all scripture, this whole thing, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word gives us the direction and the guidance and the encouragement and the support, everything that we need. We just need to open it up and go, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And we're encouraged to be praying and talking with God, not just to God. And I I love that we've had a bit of a focus on the Holy Spirit this morning because the Holy Spirit is the other avenue, another way God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of his word and what Jesus has taught us. In John 14, 26, we read, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So that phrase again, do not be afraid for us today. Do not be afraid. And I've spent some time thinking about Joshua's life. What was his life that developed this posture of prayer? I hadn't really realized it, but I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Joshua was in his early 80s leading the charge into the promised land. Could you imagine 80 and leading the nation of Israel into the place that God had promised them? He has spent years in the wilderness as Moses' aide, kind of his right-hand man. He kept watch at the tent of meeting, so he was... In the midst of the presence of God, as Moses was meeting with God, we read of times he traveled up the mountain with Moses, and then Moses would go on further to meet with the Lord. Um, We know that he led many battles um, as they were wandering in the wilderness. Many different experiences, unique experiences, where as he walked alongside Moses and the Israelite community, I believe he was learning from what he was watching. And he was privileged to be in that close, closer presence. Um, but he didn't waste it. He leaned in and he learned and he watched and he saw what Moses did. And we see him leading in some similar ways in rallying the troops of depending upon the Lord. And up to this point in the story, we've read at least nine times the phrase, and the Lord said to Joshua. So Joshua has been attentive to God's voice in his life and in his leadership. 
the relationship is real. There is a posture of attentiveness before the Lord. And I just wondered, so why wouldn't God listen? Why wouldn't God respond to Joshua's request? I think God, I think Joshua anticipated God would respond. And that should be our posture today as we walk with the Lord. He is our good father. He wants to respond. He wants to provide. God was fighting not only for Joshua, but for the whole of Israel. And I thought it was astonishing then that to them that God listened to the man, the God of the universe, the sovereign, the Lord of lords. Um, he listened. And today, God still listens to man. And my prayer for myself, but my prayer for all of us, may we continue to be astonished that the Lord of lords listens to us. Isn't that amazing that God wants to move on your behalf? God wants to move on our behalf as a church. God is at work. Are we attentive to what he is doing and leaning in with him? This past week, I had an opportunity to speak to um, a couple of our missionaries who are currently um, doing work at Melbourne Uni. Um, Darren and Yoon, and they've moved down from Brisbane a couple years ago and um, are just engaging in a new part of our our organization with Power to Change. And um, the ministry that they're they're relaunching, um, our our ministry on Melbourne Uni had died out, and um, so they're starting to re-engage that. And it's been a hard process for them. And it's just the two of them, so they don't have a team around them yet. And um, they're hitting some of the barriers of getting a club going back again on campus. But as Yoon and I chatted, I just um, loved what she shared. Um, she, She said, we have been praying more than ever for God to work, walking and praying around the uni. Some ministry is beginning to happen. We have never been this close to Jesus. We pray and we pray and we pray. And the Bible shows me to leave it in God's hands. And then um, as she was finishing up, um, she shared that um, this past week they saw um, a young man come to faith in Christ. How wonderful um, to see God work. And it's just the faithful prayers right now and just keeping an eye on where is God at work, where are the opportunities to engage. So what action do you need to take to go a bit deeper in your own walk with the Lord? Is it carving out some time daily just to sit with him? If it's a new practice, it might be just a few minutes. But is is it a practice that you have? Maybe it's increasing time that you have with him or having some additional time on a weekend. For some of us, it might be just having moments of stillness because you realize, oh, I do a lot of blah, 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 and I don't do a lot of, what do you want to say to me, Lord? And maybe 
if you don't know the Lord personally, maybe the first step is inviting him to be your Lord and Savior and asking Christ into your life. It all starts with a conversation, inviting God into your daily world. In what ways are you leaning into what God is saying to you? And what step will you take this week? Well, as we move on, I want to look at the promise of prayer. And I just, with God, anything is possible. Anything. We know that Joshua responded to the request of the Gibeonites um, to come help us. And he and his army marched all night. I just thought, you're marching all night. It was roughly 30 kilometers for them. Um, It would have been a fairly rugged walk, having um, been to Israel and journeyed on some of the pathways um, between the Jordan River and up towards Jerusalem and in that part part of Israel. So not an easy journey for them, but they marched forward um, and they took the southern armies by surprise. And we just have some wonderful pictures of what God was doing um, in this battle. We read phrases like, the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. God was clearly fighting for them. Then in verses 12 and 13, we read, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. And it's hard to imagine what that would have been, what that really was. And as I've dug into this, there are several different views on what actually happened I am not diving into what happened, actually, but want to focus on Joshua's prayer um, and just his faith in what God was doing. And as I considered this, Joshua prayed for what he needed in order to fulfill the task before him. He is a commander of an army. That's what he's done for much of his life. And he knew what was needed um, in order to take on the battle that was before him. And he knew that his troops were tired. They had been journeying all night um, before reaching Gibeon and where the battle was to be fought. And I just wonder, I, I don't know, I'm not a Bible scholar, But I just wonder if he just prayed the prayer that he knew he needed to pray for that moment in time and what was happening. It's like, Lord, I need you to expand the time I need to conquer this this army. Um, And so he asked for the sun to stand still and the moon to stand still. 
I, I don't know if that was his thought process, but I, I've wondered that. Um, was Joshua just praying into the things that he knew he needed today and the places where he needed to see God work? I believe he had confidence in God and Due to his experiences over his lifetime, he knew God could do this. And so he asked. He had confidence in a big God. Often, our view of God is not that big. It's not large enough. St. Augustine writes in a letter to Proba, Why God should ask us to pray when he knows what we need before we ask him may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want, for he cannot fail to know it, but wants us rather to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. His gift is very great indeed. But our capacity is too small and limited to receive it. Joshua had a very large view of God. And I believe Joshua had the capacity to receive what God wanted to give him. The sun and the moon stood still. What is your view of God? And how does it influence how you pray? Today we have, in the scriptures, we have many wonderful prayers to encourage and inspire us and teach us and challenge us. Um, Through Paul's epistles, the the 13 different books and letters that he wrote, um, we have over 40 different prayers that Paul has included in his letters. We see that Paul was a praying man, and he prayed for many things, um, And these prayers include prayers of praise and worship to the Lord. They are prayers of encouragement, um, prayers of presenting requests on behalf of the people that he was writing to, prayers of thanksgiving for those that he ministered to. He prayed for their growth and knowledge of God and, and more. And he also prayed for his own safety and the effectiveness of the work that God had called him to. Probably one of my favorite prayers is in Ephesians 3, and it ends in verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing prayer. I think I can conjure up a fair bit of wild and crazy things in my head. And God still wants to do immeasurably more than what I can ask or imagine. You might be asking, well, what does this look like in real life? And um, I want to go back to my friends Darren and Yoon. They are 
just a couple of immense faith and trusting the Lord. So I'd mentioned they had moved to Melbourne, so they had served with our international student ministry up in Brisbane. And here's just a snapshot of their journey and how God has moved um, with that. About 2013, Darren and Yoon um, started asking and praying, Lord, how do we see more believers in our movement? And it was just an everyday, ordinary prayer in the work that God had called them to do. We want to see more believers. So, Lord, how can we do that? Over the next couple of years, they they did start to see God move as they were praying and continued to pray into this. Um, They started using a new discipleship model. um, And one of the things they started doing is having faith prayer goals and trusting God um, for for students to receive Christ and to get involved in discipleship and evangelism on campus. And part of this process with international students in particular um, has been hospitality. And Yoon is, um, she's originally from Thailand and she is an amazing cook. And she cooked for stu- weekly student gatherings. And as they continued to pray, these gatherings kept growing and growing and growing to a point where they were starting to get about 100 students coming each week. Imagine cooking out of your kitchen for 100 people. And there were weeks where as the students were coming in, Yoon was looking at the quantity of food And I think shaking in her boots a little bit of going, Lord, I don't know how this food is going to feed this many people. And she shared with me there were moments that I just had to walk out of the room because I was so overwhelmed. Um, And just kind of like, how can we keep affording to do this on an ongoing basis yet? There was this sense of we will continue to be obedient and we will trust you and we will, we will portion out food. We will cut down how much every person gets. Um, but they persevered. And as they did this and as they continued to trust the Lord, in 2014 they saw 30 new believers that year. So that as they were planning for 2015, like, so what's our faith goal next year? Let's double it. Let's trust God for 60 students. 2015, they saw 61 students come to faith. Um, as that was happening, God was starting to work in a different part of the movement. And through a series of other events, God provided a grant for the whole of our campus ministry of $120,000 a year for three years. This is our last year with this grant. So all of our campuses could provide hospitality to reach students on campus. So a simple prayer of, Lord, how can we see more students come to faith? Doing what they knew they needed to do on campus resulted 
and $360,000 over three years for our campus ministry to invest in hospitality and evangelism. I still stand amazed at God working um, for his glory and for his kingdom. And the team up in, in Brisbane in 2018, and this was the last year that Darren and Yoon were up there leading the team before moving down to Melbourne, they saw 119 students come to faith that year. And they believe that God still is giving them that number 119, and they're praying into it, and they don't know exactly what it means. But I look forward to the answer of whatever the 119 is with the work that they're doing here now in Melbourne. So praise God. Um, but it is an amazing story when we pray into the things that are happening in our life every day, whether it be leading a battle or the things just in our personal lives, with our family, things at work, um, the work that God has called us to. He wants to do immeasurably more. So will you trust him? What crazy thing might God want to do in your life, in the life of our church? And in Proverbs 16.3, we read, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. As we wait upon God, he is the one who grows our faith and our trust in him. We just need to keep coming, persevering, Asking. Will you persevere in prayer? Will you take steps of faith and trust God to work in ways beyond what you may be asking, beyond what you can imagine? God honors his faithful servants. And finally, we come to places of prayer. And so our, our final insight today is in regard to um, just the places of prayer. And Joshua's prayer was in, a, was in the presence of Israel. He didn't keep his prayer to himself, but it was so others could hear. And I wonder, why is that? Why did Joshua pray the prayer he did in the presence of so many? And I wonder... If it was because Israel needed an example of prayer. They needed to hear and then see what God did. I believe today we still need examples of prayer in public arenas. It serves as a model, a place of remembrance and depending upon the Lord. Um, and remembering that it's God who fights for us. He's the one who's fighting the battle. We don't have much recorded in the sense of private prayers of Joshua on his journey, but we know from the teachings of Jesus that as we embark upon our own times of personal prayer, um, we read in Matthew 6, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Praying privately is important as it's our personal conversations with God. Um, It grows us in our faith and allows us that space to connect with him and to hear him. But there is also a place and time for praying in public arenas. We need to recognize that God is at work and that he hears the voice of man. It is recorded that the Lord heard the voice of man and he was fighting on behalf of Israel. I don't know about you, but I know I need to be encouraged through prayer in spaces like this. Prayers that we are praying in community. um, Because it means we get to celebrate together. We get to honor God together, having heard these things. Um, They become memorial stones of remembrance for us. Um, Just even as we gather and we remember through communion, um, we're honoring God. And when we see God work in our midst and answer prayers that we have been praying, what an amazing way to honor and glorify the Lord. I think Joshua's prayer was recorded. Um, We read it's recorded in the book of Joshua, but we read that it was recorded in the book of Jashar, um, which is a book that did not did not last. (laughs) Um, It was a book of songs. But I believe the Israelites needed to be reminded of God's faithfulness in fighting the battle on their behalf. He did amazing things in the routing of the armies before them. This is a shared experience for the community of Israel. Answered prayers serve as the memorial stones in our journey of faith. What are your personal memorial stones of answered prayer? Other experiences of shared prayer in the scriptures include the disciples who asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So they were obviously praying in community. They were listening and they're going, how do I do this? Teach me to pray. In Acts, we read of a time when the church had gathered together, praying for Peter's release from prison. And then when Peter knocks on the door, they open the door, they close the door. It's like they finally reopen the door, but they were overjoyed. Their prayers had been answered, and Peter comes in, and he shares his story. We have many prayers of Paul written and read to the different churches. Some of us, when we think about um, praying in public, it's like, I hope they don't call on me to do that. Or I'm just going to sit here and it's too scary, it's too out of my comfort zone. Um, Yet I believe God calls us into this space. Um, When we hit those moments, it might be, what do I say? What, What will people think? Will I say the wrong thing? What if I don't get the words right? I can't pray like so and so over there. They're just amazing. <laughs> um, lots of things can trip us up. But prayer is just a conversation with God. It's keeping it simple. It could be a prayer read from Scripture. It just needs to be what's on our hearts. 
Nothing fancy and nothing long. Prayer strengthens and encourages God's people. There are times when God uses our prayers to bless and minister to others. I remember a time when I was serving in our global headquarters in Orlando, Florida. And in my department, we gathered once a month for just a sharing a meal and then updates and vision. And often I was the person they asked to pray at the end. And one day, one of the gals in our office, who was a, a young Christian at that, um, she comes up to me and it's like, really quietly, she's like, Amanda, could you teach me to pray? And a part of me is like, yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking, there is nothing out of the ordinary in my prayers. I'm just talking to God. But that led to a time of meeting up over several weeks and digging in and looking at the different prayers in the Bible and talking about prayer and praying together. And it was just a sweet time of fellowship um, and helping a young believer to grow in her own walk with the Lord and in her prayer life and also helping her to pray with someone else and pray amongst others. Have you ever considered that your prayers could be an encouragement and a blessing to someone in their own faith journey? What will you do the next time you have an opportunity to pray in a group? Will you take that step of faith if you're the person who goes, ooh, I don't like doing that? (laughs) Um, Maybe a great place to start is just with a friend or someone within your family. Start small, simple prayers. God will honor that. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes our life. It helps us grow closer to the Lord. It is a conversation with God. Unlike the saying of my dad's hat, don't bother me, I believe God is saying to each of us today, And every day, please bother me. I am your heavenly father. I am a good, good father. And I don't want to withhold anything from you. I just want you to come and ask. So as you consider Joshua's prayer and the things that I've shared with you today, um, looking at the posture of prayer, the promise of prayer, and the places of prayer. What is your faith prayer before the Lord? And you should have received as you came in a little note card. And so I would like you to take out this note card. And if you have a pen or a pencil, if you don't have one, um, we'll have someone come around. Um, but I want you to take a moment. And I want you to write down what is your faith prayer to the Lord. It's whatever is going on in your world, in your life. About 30 years ago, roughly, I wrote a simple prayer down on a note card just like this. And it said something to the effect of, Lord, do you want me to go into full-time ministry? I was working at a, for a public university in the universe, 
over in the USA at that time. Didn't know what God had ahead for me. But I just had a sense that God had something different. And so I wrote that question down on a note card. I am standing here today, having served in full-time missions for over 25 years, as a result of God answering a simple prayer that I wrote down on a note card. I think I found that card a year or so after I had joined up with um, Power to Change here in Australia. It was Campus Crusade for Christ in the U.S. at that time. Um, And I was amazed when I came across that because I had forgotten I'd written it down. Um, But it was one of those milestones for me of God hears my voice and he wants to answer. So what crazy thing are you going to trust the Lord to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the sovereign God. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you want to do things that we cannot even imagine today. And I pray that your spirit would be guiding and leading each person to draw closer to you and to personally experience the power of prayer in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.